Welcome to the crap and the crazy with Tash Critter. Tash owns Little Wooden Toy Box and is mother of two teens, both with autism, ADHD and PDA. Ten years in early intervention, working with the kids' OTs, speeches and psychologists has given Tash unique insight into understanding difficult behaviours and why they occur, as well as understanding how emotional regulation and sensory input impacts us and our behaviour. This insight has helped Tash design and implement resources and coping strategies to make home life calmer and more organised. Join Tash as she talks about day-to-day -day life with autism, the sucky bits and the wins, plus tips for enjoying life despite the challenges. Hello, welcome to episode 16. I have been banging on about PDA for long enough, so this episode is on PDA, which is pathological demand avoidance, which they are working on renaming to excessive demand avoidance. So I wanted to start by, you know, going through what PDA looks like, um, and in comparison, ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder, um, how each look, how they overlap, and the differences between them. Um, and look, PDA isn't huge here in Australia. There's a lot more research around it in the UK, but slowly, so I wasn't even aware that this was a thing before, look, six to 12 months ago. Um, it was probably 12 months ago that Ish, our speechy, um, who we did the podcast with a couple of weeks back, started um, you know, introducing some other parenting techniques because we just weren't getting, I just wasn't getting anywhere with my girl. So you've got the autism diagnosis, the ADHD diagnosis, but there was just something else going on there where, you know, those tools and strategies that we've been using or that I've learned over the last 10 years, they just weren't working and they weren't effective. And I was running out of tools and you know, I did not know what I was dealing with. So this started um, probably, yeah, close to a year ago, sitting with this, trying to figure out what is going on here, what's, you know, what we can do differently um, and why things aren't working. And she suggested, I can't even remember the conversation around it. I don't know whether uh, she'd been to a PD day or I'm not sure, but she suggested um, when talking with my girl to not face her, not have eye contact um, and to, you know, face the same direction. So I started with that and it, that made a world of difference. So in the morning when she is getting up, you know, faced with me asking her questions or how did she sleep, even just trivial things for her are very confronting. So the eye contact is confronting. The expectation of I'm saying something, I expect an answer is confronting and the, the anxiety. So PDA is anxiety based, yeah? So it's a crippling inability to respond based on anxiety. A bit more to it, but it's anxiety based. Whereas ODD, so your oppositional defiance disorder, comes with that defiance streak. It's a choice um, and challenging sort of behavior um, or challenging authority. Yeah, so there's a choice there to, I don't like this, I'm going to act out versus PDA, I'm not coping, I'm not going to respond. Yeah, so a PDA, the easiest way to describe it is parenting a brick wall. Yeah, and 
the biggest, the three biggest differences were, as I said before, facing the same direction, not having the eye contact, um, parenting by suggestion. So I'm not ever, well, I do, but it doesn't end well. Um, where possible, I suggest things and literally in passing. So as I walk past her, I suggest something that I'd like her to do and I keep walking. I do not wait for a follow through because in that now, even if I avoided eye contact, avoided facing her, so we're both facing the same direction, if I ask her to do something and I wait for her to do it, there's an expectation there, yeah? So literally suggesting and passing. Um, and this is this has actually worked really well. And, you know, look, as it, it's hard. It is really hard to parent. Um, autism is hard. ADHD is hard. PDA is really hard. And I guess the biggest or the hardest bit for me in parenting it is always having to be the biggest person. Yeah, I guess that's the same with autism and ADHD as well. But there's just something about this PDA that you are constantly having to, I guess you just can't be yourself. You're constantly treading on eggshells. So how you react and respond and expectations with everyone else on the planet, autism, or ADHD or not, this doesn't apply when dealing with a person with PDA. Um, and look, it's really challenging to back up a little bit as far as you know understanding PDA a bit more um, versus ODD as well. So ODD, that oppositional defiance disorder, is an active and conscious de decision to behave a certain way. Yes, and they're often hostile, stubborn. Um, disobedient and you've got that defiance. So I haven't worked with many kids with ODD, but the ones I have, you can see the challenge in their eyes. Yes. Where they're deliberately not going to obey you. They're deliberately going to push the boundaries and see what your response is. Yes. I love working with these kids. So I love, you know, working with the challenging kids. Um, and your challenge there as a carer or a parent is not to react, yes? But you can, with these kids, have behavior strategies in place. You can negotiate. You can um, deflect and redirect. So you can ignore the behavior, focus on something else, um, and, you know, really encourage them and get them involved and, you know, make it exciting for them kind of thing. Yeah, um, to do something else to make better choices. PDA, this doesn't apply because it is um, an anxiety response. So it's kind of a shutdown response and a need to be in control. Um, kids with PDA don't recognize that an adult, you know, you should obey an adult kind of thing. It's a, it's just a level playing field with teachers people in authority, parents, them. Um, that, again, is hard to deal with as a parent, I suppose. Um, so my girl, if she doesn't like a teacher, she will not respond to them in class. She'll stare at you. She will literally look through you. Um, yeah, that's great. That, that makes you feel great as a human being. Um, but there's not anything I, as a parent, can do to get across um, to not do this. Does this make sense? It's an 
in being an anxiety response, I guess you've got no control over it. It's not something that I can parent out of her. Does that make sense? And that in itself is challenging as a parent. Like, why is my kid behaving this way? Um, Particularly when you're there and, you know, the school principal or the school, I don't know, coordinator for whatever, and your kid is staring through them like they're nothing. And I'm like, Um, but that that is just what it is. Another part of PDA as well, um, in comparison to ODD, with PDA, you can't negotiate or redirect. Or if you can, I'm not there yet. Um, Maybe it's easier with some kids. Maybe there's certain strategies I am yet to learn with my kid. And again, I am no expert on either of these because I'm very limited. Um, Look, I've parented one for over 13 years, but I didn't know it till about six months ago. Um, Just having a label helped a massive amount for this to understand why, you know, having to parent two kids two different ways um, and understanding why that was and why it worked, that really helped. Um, It's still, you know, it's still hard, but having a label and understanding why helped. So hopefully, if you recognize any of these in kids that you work with or your kids, then, you know, those strategies will help. Um, if you have any more suggestions, let me know. Because, yeah, in Australia, we're still learning. Um, my girl stopped working with her therapist. And you're like, well, now my therapy team's out the window. Let You can't, you can't make a kid talk with a therapist or talk full stop for that matter. Um, So yeah, that was really challenging as well. Other than the strategies I've already mentioned, so I'm going to focus on PDA now because I don't have to parent ODD, thankfully. Um, So ODD as well, I'll just say, can be diagnosed separately from autism, whereas PDA fits within the autism diagnosis. You can't have PDA without having autism, yeah? Um, There is a lot more on both that you know, overlaps and I could go into, I could talk all day. But um, as far as PDA goes, other strategies you can use, there's uh, the PDA Society, which is a really good place to go to start learning about what it is, what it looks like, how it presents, what you can do about it. But they've got the panda analogy. So just running through that first one, pick your battles, which I'm always bagging on about um, as a parent with kids with autism, ADHD, PDA, probably ODD as well as a ton of other diagnoses, you pick your battles. Yeah, parenting does not look the same as it does with neurotypical kids. Um, So you are picking what actually matters. You have to let a lot go. And, you know, as a parent and as a teacher, that's really hard to do when you've got expectations of how you thought your kids would turn out and it looks different. That's That's another process you're going through, yeah? But... Pick what's important to you. Pick what um, you're willing to compromise on and what you're not willing to compromise on and be okay with that. And look, how it looks right now may not be how it's going to look in six months' time. You may have to let a lot of things go to start with to make progress in one area that's really important to you or your kid, yeah? And then you've got the balance, of course, between other kids, siblings in the house. Um, or classroom or wherever you are. The next one is A for anxiety management. So this is where your um, sensory things would come in, where you as the parent, teacher, therapist, 
whoever you are working with these kids. Um, I guess this is where the choosing to be the bigger person, so not raising your voice, not raising um, your expectations, not increasing those demands. Yeah, so we're, we're really aware that this is an anxiety response. This is not something that they have control over. Um, and this is really crippling for them. Yeah, so this is not them trying to manipulate you. This is them not coping. So really bringing down your voice, bringing down your expectations, bringing, uh, slowing things down. Yeah, so this is addressing the sensory side as well, addressing that sensory overwhelm. Um, and making things, you know, a bit slower paced, easier to manage and reducing that anxiety as much as possible. Now, the next one is N for negotiate and collaborate. We've not made much progress here. We're, we're getting there, but there's not a lot of, still for us, there's not a lot of give and take. Um, there is just set concrete sort of Oh, how do I even explain that? It's it's that brick wall analogy. It's like having a kid who's a brick wall, and if I'm coming face to face with it, I'm just banging my head against this wall. Whereas if I step back um, and use that suggestion, not looking in the eyes, facing the same direction rather than facing each other, um, you know, that's what I guess negotiate for us looks like at the moment. And it's not negotiate on her part, it's negotiate on my part. Um, I will let you know when negotiation two ways works because at the moment I don't know what that looks like. Um, but collaborating, I guess, where possible, balancing out that give and take. So making sure you're not putting demand after demand after demand without giving back and filling them back up. Does that make sense? So um, I guess the way I would deal with this is that emotional regulation. So make sure they are having sensory breaks, things that they enjoy, um, dealing with all the senses or how they best respond. So there's too much to go into now, but go back um, and look at the emotional regulation. I talked about this in the podcast with Ish as well, just a few weeks back. So making sure their cup is full and they are as happy as possible um, rather than them being drained, exhausted, and then you're adding demands to them. Does that make sense? Next, we have D for disguise. I would replace this with suggest because that's just what works for us, but then that ruins the What's it called? Acronym. Anyway, so disguise, this is where you're managing those demands as best you can. Um, so, you know, that parenting by suggestion and doing it in passing. Having lists. So um, if there's anything I need to bring up or discuss with my girl, I will often bring it up with zero expectations. So I'm just telling you, um, what is going on? I need you to think about this, this, and this. Um, let me know in a few days' time. So I will back that up with having it written down on paper somewhere. So I'll put it on her desk or her bed somewhere, um, kind of out of the way, but where she's going to see it, she knows it's there. 
and there's zero expectation to get anything back from her right now. Now, this doesn't mean this goes perfectly. This will often get her back up straight away, in which case I need to say over and over that I don't need anything right now. I just need you to think about it. Yeah, you plant that seed and then you can come back to it. And then I often find that it's the first time that I get the most resistance, which if you space this out over three days and check in a number of times, she gets more used to the idea of being able to think it through. So that that initial resistance is an anxiety rock brain response. Yes. So that's just her immediate fly off the handle response. And when you're in that state, there is no ability to actually think through and rationalize. Yeah. Um, so there's no point there's just no point you're wasting your energy trying to get something from her at that point which is why you put these strategies in place and hopefully understanding this and why this happens so she is not being a turd even though it looks like it uh, when she flies off the handle or gets angry as soon as you suggest something that is just her her response there there's nothing i can do about that there's nothing she can do about that so this is where again you're picking your battles so instead of picking on that behavior, trying to discipline that behavior or whatever else may be your first reaction, um, not going to be effective for you or for them. Yeah, you're wasting your emotional energy. That's where you need to pick your battles. Talk yourself through it. Take a step away if you need to remove yourself from the situation. Think it through. Come back. Try again. Yeah. Um, what have we got next? Adaptation. So this is where just being flexible, having your plan, B, C, D, E, F, whatever it takes. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, if they're going to be that brick wall, there's no point you being the brick wall as well. Yeah, where possible, where you can. And like in the last episode, um, different issue, but talking through, you know, my boy with his surprise for his birthday, which he didn't like said straight out, didn't want it, I could have it, um, you know, dealing with, again, expectations and disappointment. And, you know, when you parent, you're parenting someone else, but you've still got all of your emotions and your issues and your baggage and your expectations. Um, so, yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent there. My point was to be flexible. And I guess my last point in winding this one up is being okay with having no clue what you're doing, yeah? Um, you know, with my kids now teenagers, I've got 10 years of working in, around 700 hours working in the rooms with the therapists, um, psychs, OT, speeches, and sometimes, I don't know whether it's with all kids, it seemed to be fine that transition with my boy from kid to teenager, but sometimes it all just goes out the window and you're winging it again. And this is what I really found with PDA. I guess um, it's something that I had to learn about. I guess there's a lot of trial and error as far as how you respond, how your kid's going to respond. And then there's the the ongoing domino effect of that, of I'm now parenting one kid different from the other. My expectations for one kid are different from the other. I don't know whether that's normal in a neurotypical house or not. Um, but being okay with not knowing it all, being okay with bolzing it up, being okay with saying, sorry, did not handle that so well. Um, you know, having that input from them if they want to, or at least having that safe space where you can 
talk about it and they can say how they felt, which look, we don't actually do because we don't do emotions all that brilliantly and we don't do conversation all that brilliantly. But I guess being okay with if that does work for you and your family, um, being vulnerable, I guess, would be my point there. Yeah. And, you know, you may have things um, that was a point when I was reading up on this as well. Strategies that work this week may not work next week as frustrating as that is so i guess that's where being flexible comes into it as well anyway i think i've said enough on this one as i learn more i will talk more about it i hope that helps as far as you know understanding what it is how it looks different from odd um because people seem to know odd more than pda and they were saying that it could be that it just doesn't sit right um and you know for parents out there listening to this where your kids aren't diagnosed or whatever if something doesn't sit right keep exploring that keep trying to figure out what is going on there um because once you find answers it helps a huge amount and you know, having a label, yes, it's a label, but labels, well, at least for me, help as far as when you know what you're dealing with, yeah, and other people and other people's strategies and tools um, for dealing with something versus I'm, you know, 10 years into this journey and I've still got no clue, like something isn't right here. Anyway, that'll do for me for today. I will talk to you again soon. Bye.